Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Alhamdulillah, since last Ramadan, over 4 million people have benefited from, listened to, and downloaded the Qalam Podcast. Tens of thousands of people have benefited from and learned from the various classes, intensives, and seminars that Qalam provides. And inshallah, this Ramadan will be providing even more beneficial content, lectures, and programming for people all around the world, free of any cost or charge to them. In order for us to keep doing this work, we need your support, we need your help, we need you to be our partners in this Sadaqah Jariyah. Please go to supportqalam.com. That's support, Q-A-L-A-M, supportqalam.com, and provide your most generous support. Millions of people all around the world are insha'Allah, bi'idnillah, going to benefit from all of this work, and this will be your sadaqah jariyah for the eternal life of the hereafter. We really appreciate having you as part of the Qalam team and supporting us in this work, this mission, this cause. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahi wa alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah. Alhamdulillah. Good to see everybody tonight. Uh, we want to continue, inshallah, um, with our reading tonight of the wasiyah of Ibn Khudam al-Maqtasi, rahimahullah. Um, we covered last night the uh, introduction, or the first section of the book, in which he wants to leave the reader uh, with the impression, with the accurate impression, that life is precious, that time is of the essence, and that you don't have uh, uh, to do what it is that you need to do. And so he spends a lot of time mm, in the initial section illustrating the point, and Sheikh briefly mentioned last night that he paints like this really, really long metaphor about people who are on a ship. Hey, can I get a bottle of water for Sheikh? You got it? Sheikh, you have one? Okay. Um, he paints this, this long metaphor about these people that were on a ship. Sheikh gave a, 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 an introduction to, those, to that metaphor and kind of when these people who were on a ship, sorry, I have a cough drop in my mouth. That's why I'm, I'm trying to eliminate it as soon as possible. Huh? Okay. <laughs> All right. So they, when they landed upon their, one of their destinations, which was an island, the, the, uh, Ibn Qudama, he, he categorizes the people on the ship into three different kinds of people that knew about their inevitable departure off of the island. And he said that essentially there were three people, and so while they embarked onto the island, they did not uh, uh, you know, engage, they did not think that they were moving there. They simply did some exploring, did some uh, you know, sightseeing, and then went back to the ship as soon as they could to ensure a safe uh, departure. Then the second group were those that were um, you know, they did a little bit too much exploring, a little bit too much endeavoring, and they tried to bring things back with them and tell that it was a very anxious and very stressful uh, ride. And then you had the third group, which were so enamored by what they found on the island that they missed the departure altogether. And so the metaphor that he's painting for us in that moment is that your death is the ship leaving. That when you die, that is when your ship will depart. And the hadith of the Prophet mentions that for each of the believers, 
we talk about this day of judgment, right? With with a you know day of judgment, capital D, capital J, like day of the day of judgment. But every uh, Ibn Qudama gives us four, four examples of quite possibly the most common means of spoiling one's heart. So there's a lot of different things that a person can do to ruin their faith, to you know spoil their heart. He gives us four of the things that he considers to be the most common and maybe the most easy to fall into. And so we're going to, inshallah, read through them. And they're short. They're brief. The Prophet ﷺ said that whatever is short but does the job is better than that which is in abundance but is distracting. So he doesn't spend a lot of time digging deep. That's not this kind of, that's not this kind of book, right? He's treating it as if he doesn't have a lot of time. So he gives a few lines about each one, and Sheikh and I are going to go uh, uh, you know, back and forth uh, from them. So the first one that he mentions, which is one of the ones that the Prophet ﷺ, he mentions in a hadith that he said that it is one of the greatest concerns that he had for his ummah. He said ar-riyah. Riyah translated, uh, if you're Shakespeare, it's ostentation. If you are any of us here, it's showing off. Riyah is when a person does a deed that should be for Allah, but they do it for other than Allah. And this, again, it sounds like something that is, okay, maybe this is actually, you know, okay, I can avoid the Prophet ﷺ described it. And the way that the scholars elaborated on that description was that it is so insidious. It is something that is so, it's like, the, it's, it's, it's like a, a, a toxin that is floating in the air. Something that is so present in the environment and in the ecosystem of human beings, spiritually, that unless you are vigilant and really focused on, danger of it is that on the Day of Judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for the person that did these deeds, that they will be shown these mountains of good deeds that they thought were going to be what they gotten, but they will be told then by the angels that go and get your reward from the person that you did the deed for. And Allah is the only one on that day that's going to be rewarding anybody. So imagine the, 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 the pain that a person will feel if I prayed so that someone would donate it so people thought I was generous. And, and one of the hadith that's in Bukhari, the Prophet ﷺ talks about the first people to enter hellfire are who? Right? The scholar, the martyr, and the one who recited the Qur'an. And there's other narrations that have other categories. Right? But the, the other individuals, what, these are three people that when you look at them on the outside you almost think to yourself, there's no doubt that this person is going to be a person of Jannah, right? But in reality, subhanAllah, everybody is vulnerable, you know, reminding scholars and reciters and martyrs and, you know, hey, you're going to be the first, right? That's not the goal of this. There's no value in applying tonight's lessons to anybody else but yourself. You can't fix someone. You can't identify someone's riyah. All you can do is know your own struggle and try to fix yourself. So let's begin. So he says that. The, from, the, from the things that spoil one's deeds, that's the name of the, the chapter, what ruins your action. I have a lot of time, so you want to do good deeds, but there are some things that can absolutely pull the rug out from underneath those deeds. What are they? He says, from this is ar-riyat, which he defines as acting for the praise of people. He says, this is a form of shirk. This is a form of seeking some sort of reward or worshiping other than Allah. Shirk is a big deal. Shirk is the only sin that Allah Ta'ala will choose not to forgive after making dua for a person that committed shirk. There is no engaging in any sort of forgiveness. Allah Ta'ala says, 
that the Prophet told us that Allah Ta'ala will forgive every sin. He will choose to forgive every sin. The one sin that he will choose not to forgive is the sin of giving a position to anyone other than Allah that is only befitting of Allah. That is what shirk is. So he says, He says that whoever does a deed for someone else and they associate someone else with me, he says that, go ahead. It's for the one that they did it for. Okay. You wanted to do this so that people would think of you a certain way or give you some sort of props or whatever, or you wanted the followers or you wanted this or that, then go ahead and do that. Now, I know that everyone's like, okay, this is something that's probably very specific to people that are living life, people. And while it's true that there is more risk for people definitely who are putting themselves in front of people, everyone is susceptible to this. Everyone is susceptible to this. Many of us were also even unfortunately raised in situations where maybe we were told to pray and the only reason that we prayed was for what? To get our parents off our back. Now that might not be the same form of riyat, but it's from, it's kind of like, kind of smells like it, right? It's, you're not praying for Allah, you're back. And there are many people that when they get married, when they start a family together, the prayers are not done for Allah, it's done so that the other person will leave me alone. It's done so, because everyone else is doing it, right? It's very important that you identify whenever you're doing something that it has to be only for Allah. What are some ways that a person can do this? Number one, the scholars say, is that you understand that you would be doing the same thing even if you were by yourself. Like if I were alone right now, if I were alone right now, and this is actually a lecture. So it's like if you weren't here, would I be giving this lecture? But interestingly enough, subhanAllah, some, you know, Shaykh al-Nasr is obviously a big proponent of this. I'm not going to put him on blast in front of him. But other teachers that I've had, right, Shaykh Ihab al-Sha'ar and, and, and Shaykh Hassan, they, they all said the same thing, which was, you should be comfortable teaching a room that's empty. Like, just the angels are there. If you had to sit there and read a book, and, 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 and no one showed up to your lecture, the moment that you feel irritation in any difference between public and private, that's an indication that something's off. And if I showed up here tonight and I'm upset or I'm less enthusiastic or I feel less committed, because why? Because this isn't as many people as I imagined, then now I know Abdurrahman has a serious problem. And I'm doing it for other than Allah. I should only be doing this for Allah. And the way that I know that is that whether there's one or 1,000, I'm still down. I'm still committed. When you apply your actions and your deeds, would I be doing this if no one was there? Another thing that the scholars mention is they say that you actually give your utmost, your most beautiful when people aren't around. I told this story during Heartwork two weeks ago about my friend that recites so beautifully in his Quran and I've never heard him recite that beautifully in public. Only when I accidentally was leaving his house and I, I on the way out, I used the, the washroom that was by the front door. And then after coming out of the bathroom, I heard this Jibril himself. And I look and I'm like, who's reciting? And I go and it's him and I'm like, you've never done this before. And he's like, this is just between me and Allah. Like I don't, I don't do this in front of people because I'm not trying to bring that onto myself. I wanna have something just for me and Allah. And Shaykh, he always, you know, <laughs> Shaykh always jokes and you know, Shaykh always says, be thankful that you don't sound good when you recite. He tells me that. <laughs> he said, because it's a good recited, you'd be tested. It's important, y'all. It's important. Even, why did I even come here tonight? 
it's true that maybe people can be good influences and good company brings about good deeds. That's true. But there's a fine line between being influenced by people positively and doing things for them. Mm-hmm. There's a very fine line. So you and I have to establish our own checks, our own balances. One of the things that the ulama they mention with regards to riyah in specific is that they avoid it completely. But the best thing that you can do to prepare yourself and to give yourself ammunition against those thoughts when they intrude into your mind and heart is do you have anything that is only between you and Allah? Like, do you have any deeds that no one else knows about? I'm talking like nobody else. Because some people, like, you know, I'm not showing off for my mom. I'm not showing off for my, even my kids. I'm not showing off for them. But do you have any deeds that you can honestly make? I'm conscious of them. And no one else knows about those moments. Why is, why is, why is Ramadan so amazing? Because Ramadan gives us kind of like a catalyst, like a head start. This is what it feels like to be sincere. The opposite of riyah is being sincere, having ikhlas. Okay, so <clears throat> Allah Ta'ala says on that day, if you did something for somebody else, whether it was for showing off or getting out of jail or getting out of, you know, hypothetically or, or figuratively getting out of jail, other intention, sure, go find that person on the day of judgment and you will, uh, 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 you will see how are you going to be able to benefit from them. Okay, and it's interesting because Ibn Atta'illah even says, this is actually really, this is deep because I'm going to put these two together. Ibn Khudama later says, it's possible that a person who is showing off, they don't even attain their goal. Right? They show off, they don't even attain their goal, and so what happens off is a sign that you think people are watching you more than they really are. Like main character syndrome is real. Like you doing something, he's like, that's bad enough that you think that somehow doing this for other than Allah is somehow impressive. He goes, what's even worse than that is nobody's looking at you. And so you're, you're losing the opportunity to do good because you're thinking about somebody else, and that person's thinking, are there any more samosas in the hallway? That person's thinking, completely different. You're convinced that this person's watching, but they have no idea, right? So Ibn Atta'illah says, don't get it twisted. It's not worth it. And if you think about it, the person that you're trying to impress, the person that you're trying to give this notion to, that person's probably not even paying attention. So don't waste your time. Ibn Atta'illah is like, Habibi, don't waste your time. He's patting him on the back and he says, just do it for Allah. Because the person you're thinking about isn't thinking about you anyways. There was a person that was known to be somebody who was showing off. All right, so every time he did something, like, do you see that? Do you see that? Do you guys see that? You see how long I was praying? Right? There's that funny story that sheikhs tell that's probably not true, but it's funny. It's not a hadith, obviously. It's, it's just a story. They say that there was a guy who wanted to get married, and he was praying, and the girl's father was behind him. So he kept praying. And then as he was praying, the guy's father started to praise him. The girl's father, I'm sorry, started to praise him. Although nowadays, anyways, uh, the girl's father started to praise the girl. Oh, so the girl's father started to praise him. It was like, look at him. It was like, mashallah, he's praying so long. The guy kept standing there. And then, you know, sujood, every, sujood, everything. It's so long, mashallah, he must be so into it. And he's praising him, praising him. And then when the praise kind of stops, he turns around. He goes, you know, I'm fasting. In prayer, guys, it's not allowed. Right, because he wants to, again. He 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 was he he felt he was being lathered. He felt nice when the dad was wow wow wow. And then while the prayer started to dip, he's, he's like panic. What else can I do? I've already extended the prayer. 
I can't do anything else in prayer. So he goes, I'm fasting as well, right? So again, it, it, it's, a, it's a nonsensical, definitely false story. However, it is meant to illustrate just how silly it is for a person to think like that. That's all it's supposed to do. So this person was known for that, okay? So then the story goes that when this person was, when this person engaged, right, and whenever he walked by people, people saw him and they would say what? That this person, all he does is just to be seen. He's a show off. All he does. So point number one from this story is that people can smell it a mile away. You know, you might think you're good at hiding it, but in reality, there are some really unfortunate tells. You know how they say in poker, may Allah protect us. You know how they say in poker, people have trouble keeping their excitement hidden or they have trouble, they have a tell, right? Some people, they, like, they kind of like, you know, wipe their beard, right? Or they, they move their kufi, or they, you know, they start shaking their leg a little bit. You know, people have a tell, okay? So this guy, he had a tell. And people could tell. People, you know, he, he was just so obsessed with people knowing that he was doing good. And people got tired of it. So then when he's walking in the street, subhanAllah, it's, it's a sad state to be. Instead of him coming back and saying, you don't know what's in my heart. Don't judge me. Only Allah can judge me. I used to have a friend that whenever someone said that, he's like, and he will. <laughs> Only Allah can judge me. And they were like, yeah, he will. And I was like, oh, God. I didn't get to that part, right? I just thought he could. I didn't know he would. <laughs> so this guy then said to himself, he said what? He says, you know what? They're right. I, haven't, I have not obtained anything. I've been showing off and praying and doing this and doing that for so long, so worried about people's opinion of me, that I really haven't gained anything. And he says, He says that I wasted my whole life and I didn't even get people's admiration or their appreciation. Why didn't I just do it for Allah? Whatever. So then, subhanAllah, the story goes, that at that point, he decided that he changed his intention. And Allah is so kind. Allah is so kind. When a person sincerely does something for Allah, Allah will... We did this hadith yesterday in 30 and up. The hadith where Allah Ta'ala says that I love this person, so love him. And then Jibreel says, Allah loves this person, so love him. And then that love trickles down to all of... Sincere for Allah, there's just this immutable love for them. Don't you guys just love Mufti Mank? I've never even met him. He's untouchable. Like, the guy can do no wrong. Like, he's just so endearing. You, you, and, and everyone that I've met who's known him says he's incredible and sincere and this and that. There's people in the Ummah that just, and again, it's a joke, but like, there's people in the Ummah that just like, everyone loves them. And the hadith has clarity because it's everyone whose heart is good loved. People with deviant hearts didn't love the Prophet they, they, they had to respect him, but they didn't love him. So everyone not loving you is not a sign that you're wrong, or people not loving you, because their hearts might not be aligned towards what, what they should love. But you know that there's these people that are just beloved to everybody, and Allah gives that as a gift when a person does the right thing. When a person does the right thing, you don't have to worry about earning the love of people, because that love of Allah will trickle down into their hearts. So he says, Ibn, uh, Ibn Qudamah says, then whenever this person used to walk by people, قالوا, you know what? This guy's a good guy. 
So there, his entire existence, his entire reputation changed from being a performer to being somebody who was noble. Why? Because he was honest with himself. Lesson number two from this. Number one is on that, to say, you know what? That maybe didn't make me feel very good, and that was a little bit annoying, or it made me feel bad. But can I be a person that at least is able to take what they've said and think about it? And maybe they're right. Imam Ghazali said, even the alcoholic can tell you don't drink. Who are you? That's not, a t that's not addressing the situation at all. Maybe the person was right, regardless who they were. And your benefit only lies in listening to what they said, not looking at who they are. I ask Allah Ta'ala to make us sincere. The next is Al-Urjab, and Shaykh's going to give us that one. <coughs> so the second thing that he mentions here that can corrupt a person, can corrupt their actions, corrupt their soul, is the sentiment, the feeling, the idea of al-ujub. Al-ujub refers to being impressed with oneself, being fascinated with one's own achievements. You know, kind of as the expression goes, drinking one's own Kool-Aid. Um, and so that's, there's a little bit of an interesting question here, though. And that question is, at the same time, we are supposed to have a level of confidence. We're not supposed to feel insecure, right? The Quran talks about confidence. Right? Um, there is the whole concept of uh, The Quran talks about having conviction of yourself. But then and all of a sudden, there's a criticism of somebody potentially being a little too impressed with themselves. So how do we kind of, you know, negotiate this? And what's interesting is, and again, this is the genius of some of these scholars, the next two chapters that he brings, which is Tahqirul Muslim wa Mukhalifatul Sunnah, that right there deciphers the just have a level of confidence in what you are doing or you have crossed the line over into the realm of being uh, infatuated and impressed and you know fascinated with your own self is that when you start to show two things when two things start to show up and I'm not going to go when you start start feeling like you're better than other people now that's gone from just having confidence in what you were doing into that level of self-delusion religious but you're not doing it in the way the religion tells you because you're so delusional you are so convinced of your own genius as we talked about yesterday you're a rocket surgeon right that Yes, correct. Yeah, it's just rocket science, whatever. Anyways, but uh, brain surgeon, right? Rocket surgeon. So that's how, that's how delusional you are, right? But you've become so delusional. You're such a genius. You're such a revolutionary. Every time you do something, it's the first time it's ever been done. And it's the best that it's ever been done. Never before. First time ever. Right? Bizarre. 
people who talk like that, I'm like, how do you live life? Right? Like, how do you just not get hit by a truck all the time? Because you're so delusional. Do you even know when you're on a sidewalk versus when you're in the middle of the road? Right? Anyways, but practicing even the religion, the way the religion tells you to practice it. Because you're so smart, you've outsmarted the religion. So anyways, this is not saying that you shouldn't be confident. It doesn't say you shouldn't be confident. Right? Yaqeen and azam and tawakkul. All that's there. But this is talking about urjuf. When you become delusional. فَقَدَ رُوِيَ أَنَّ الْمُدْلِي لَا يُجَاوِزَ عَمَلُهُ He says that the scholars of old used to mention that once someone becomes delusional, convinced of their own piety, their own righteousness, right? Just overwhelmed by how impressive and amazing they are. No matter how much worship or righteousness or piety someone does after that point, that person's actions do not go higher than the... There's a verse in the Quran that says, إِلَيْهِ يَسْعَدُ الْكَلِمُ الطَّيِّبُ وَالْعَمَلُ الصَّالِحُ يَرْفَعُ That our deeds rise from us. So, countering that, this person who's delusional, that person's deeds don't rise above his own head. There's a narration, he mentions it, that Allah inspired to the Prophet Musa, Musa, that Allah said that, O oh Musa, say to the people who do a lot of deeds, but then are very impressed with themselves because of all the deeds they do, tell them that they have ruined themselves. And tell the people who made mistakes, who are not good at doing anything, but they are repentant, they're humble. So the ones who, are, who have mastered everything, but then they're delusional, tell them they are in ruin. They're losers. They'll have nothing to show for it. Now go and tell the people who can't do anything right. They can't get anything right. Tell them, tell them congratulations, you've won. Because humility. See, the whole goal of life was to humble ourselves before Allah. Right? The story of humanity begins where? When a creature thinks he's too good to humble himself in front of Allah. Allah said, "Put your lower your head now. But mud, right? This, this mud animal, this human being, Adam, he's right there. Allah said, Allah told shaitan, but I'm telling you, lower your head now. And shaitan says, but, 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 but I'm made from fire. He's like some dirty creature. He was not humble. And that's what makes shaitan al-rajim, al-la'in, cursed, discarded, outcast. 
And as opposed to that, Adam salam. Again, we speak very delicately and carefully, but Adam salam mistakenly did that which he was not that which he was told not to do. Adam salam not which he was told not to do. Don't eat from that tree. And he did. They ate from the tree. But what did he do? So he didn't get it right. What did he do? Oh Allah, I messed up. Please forgive me. I messed up. I was wrong. I did wrong. I messed up. Really need you to forgive me. I won't survive. I won't make it if you don't forgive me. He was humble. And what is what does Allah say? Allah showered him with his mercy and his forgiveness. So the whole point of life was to humble ourselves in front of Allah. That's why sujood. Servant is in sujood. When you put your face on the ground, think about how humble of a position that is. You take your face and you place it on the ground where feet are. Without any consideration of your pride or dignity or nothing. Just face on the ground. You end up praying outside in a parking lot while you're traveling. There's dirt. You get up off the ground. There's dirt on your forehead. But it's that humility. That's what makes us beautiful to Allah. That the narration mentions Hadith Qudsi. That when we perform sujood. It's as if our head is in the feet of a Rahman. And so the whole point of life was to be humble. And this delusion is very very problematic. The scholars of old. They would say, actually he mentions whose qawl it is, Mutarif bin Abdullah ibn Shikhir, uh, who was a, of a sahabi. So one of the children of the companions of the Prophet And he was known as one of the very pious, righteous successors, tabi'un. He would say, لَأَنْ أَبِيتَ نَائِمًا وَأُصْبِحَ نَادِمًا I'd rather sleep all night, like I went to sleep right after Fajr, and woke up just barely in time to pray Fajr. And I wake up feeling a little bit bad. Man, I should have. You know, maybe it was even Ramadan. Maybe it was the last 10 nights. Maybe it was an odd night. And this brother prayed Isha. And he's like, I got to go to the masjid, do taraweeh, attend the qiyam, etc., etc., and then he prayed to Isha and he just kind of laid down for a minute. It was a long day at work. He's really tired. And then boom, ow. he's being woken up at like 6.45 a.m. Like, hey, hey, at least pray Fajr. No Qiyam, no Taraweeh, no Witr, no Tajud, no Suhoor, no nothing. He's just being barely woken up at 6.45 a.m. Like, at least do Fajr, man. And he wakes up feeling really bad. Like I feel terrible. He says, He says that is way better than to spend the whole night in worship. 
went to Isha, then to Taraweeh, then read a Juz, then attended the Qiyam, then prayed more, then read another Juz. Did all of that all night long, and in the morning, I'm kind of impressed with myself. In the morning, I asked my friend, hey, I didn't see you in the masjid last night. Where were you? Oh, yeah. That sucks. Right? It's like, you know, you're just talking down to the person. Impressed with yourself. You know? Go post online. It's amazing when you can worship all night. <laughs> right? <laughs> For the one that gave you everything. And you have like a random picture of like the... You. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a candid photo. Oh, where did this random photo of me not looking into the camera come from? I wonder if the angels were taking pictures of me while I was praying. <laughs> so, but anyways, don't mind me, don't mind me. But anyways, like the, get the point of what he's saying. I'd rather would have been face planted and passed out all night long. Feeling like I am the man. He said there's no good in that. So... That's the concept of delusion. And the, the switch, the opposite, like Ustad beautifully pointed out, Riya, okay, but we can talk about the problem, but what's the solution? The solution is sincerity. Ikhlas, khulus, right? We're talking about this ujum, this self-delusion. Humility, humble yourself. So one of the signs of, as Sheikh mentioned, as ujum, the Prophet, he defined it, as uh, that that's kibir. The definition of kibir of, of pride and arrogance is when a person rejects the truth, which is going to be mukharaf the sunnah, and nas uh, is to look down at people. So the next two things that Ibn Qudamah highlights are literally those two, and I wouldn't be hadith, of course, that he just took it from that. So tahqir al Muslim. What does it mean to look down on another person? And all of us here have been looked down, looked down upon before, or looked down upon before. So he says that, uh, it's long, so I'm just going to try to summarize. He says that, don't look down upon any believer, and don't think for a moment that you are better than them. And, and I know a lot of people struggle with this kind of ultimate, uh, dare I say, like definite extreme language. Like, don't, we always come back at that with like, well, isn't it? human to and the reality is yeah but islam came to change the parts of your humanity that were less than ideal like it's human to sleep through fajr it's human to to make mistakes islam came to rectify that and refine that and teach you that's what ramadan is all about much of ramadan is not human by the way mm-hmm. like all these people are like i don't know if it's healthy i'm like yeah, you like, didn't you didn't say that when you were having your fourth plate of biryani at michaelachi like <laughs> But like all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, it's not sustainable. That's why Ramadan is not 365 days a year, but it's meant to refine the person. Nothing about Ramadan is human, right? It's, it's beyond that. Allah is giving us a taste of what it's like to experience the life of a pious person. We all get a chance to try it on. We're taking the, the Ferrari out for a test drive, right? I don't know if I can do this all day, but I, I like to know what it feels like. Maybe I can take something from it. Maybe I can buy a Ferrari... Don't look down upon people. Just don't do it. If you find yourself doing it, stop. And he says, Don't think that you're better than them. 
He says that this might actually be the cause of all of your deeds being voided. Everything you've done. Can you imagine the, the very same thing that caused you to look down upon someone when you look down upon them? Now, Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him. And he says that one time, it's narrated one time that Isa was on a journey. That he had his disciples, his, basically his sahaba with him, his students with him. And he says that, and when they were walking, they walked by like a small hut. That in there was a lissun, like a, a, a like a like a like a yeah, like a highway robber. Yeah. And, and so he says that this person, this bandit, this thief, saw them, saw Isa salam, and saw the. Uh, disciples, his sahaba, his, his students. He was shocked. Oh my God, that's Isa, the prophet of God. And those are her students with him. And he almost had this moment of like, so he says, and who are you? Like almost, almost as if he's taking his steps out of the house or the hut, the fort where he robs people <laughs> to go see them. And then like when he takes that step, he's like, maybe I shouldn't. Like maybe, no. They're, they're not going to want to talk to me. He says, you are somebody who uh, uh, cuts the road, which means you stop people's journeys. Like You're like, a, you're like a, a, a checkpoint, but like a really dangerous checkpoint. You're somebody that, and you cause people fear in t- taking this road. Like people don't want to drive on this route because they know that you live nearby. And you take people's lives. You take people's lives the lives that Allah Himself has sanctified. You take the life of somebody that Allah Ta'ala has sanctified. He, despite against his quote unquote better judgment, he and Arada and Yamshi that he wanted to walk with them. You know, subhanAllah, sometimes you just need good company, man. He didn't even want to like. Look at this. Look at what he says next. He's, first he was like, let me walk with them. And then he said, hold on. He said, who am I? What have I done? What kind of person am I that I can walk with them? He says, walakin, rather walk behind them. Just like a, a disgraceful, sinful person like me should. Like he, you can see that everyone's heart is good. Everyone wants to do good. And some people are just shackled by their history that they just feel like, you know what, I want to, but like, I can't, I shouldn't. What's the point? But subhanAllah, if you just give that goodness a chance, stay lit, Allah will give you that, that, that gust of wind that you need to let it become larger and let it become something that can guide you. So he says, I walked behind them, okay? Then, as he walked behind them, some of the Sahaba, some of the, the Hawariyun, the, the, the disciples of Isa, they noticed him, and they saw him. And they knew him, because again, what? He just said it. He's like, I'm my evil, evil sins. فَقَالَ فِي نَفْسِهِ مَنْ هَذَا الْكَلْبِ one of the one of the disciples looked and almost like disgust from his face. Who's this dog? Hatta yamshi khalfana. He thinks that he can walk behind us. Come on, man. 
Read the room. This is a prophet of Allah. We're his students. You're like an evil, disgusting person. Get away from us. Right? Says that Allah Ta'ala knew exactly. He didn't even say this statement. He felt it inside. Right? He said it internally. He didn't even say it. Allah knows what you're feeling. Allah knows the things that are inside of you. So Allah Ta'ala, when he when this person felt this, Allah Ta'ala revealed to Isa. He said to him, Go and tell that disciple, that Sahabi, and listen, and the thief, that they should what? Get stetnifani al-amal. Go and tell these two people that I uh, uh, that they need to re- restart their deeds. Both of them. The Sahabi, your student, and the thief, tell them they need to, they need to restart. As for the thief, he's starting new, and I forgave all of his sins. I forgave all of his mistakes. Everything that he did is done. And he says, as far as the Hawari, I have just erased all of the good he did. So both of them are what? The same. The one who thought he was nowhere near, the one who thought he was, should never come near, now all equal to a disciple of a prophet. And the one who thought he was so much better than that bandit, thief, horrible person, now guess what? In the sight of God, you're equal to a bandit. This is the power of, number one, tawbah, for any Muslim, but it's also the, 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 the incredible danger of looking down upon somebody else. There's another narration that he shares where there was a prophet of the prophet of Bani Israel and they proclaimed bring me the best of you bring me the best of you like if I said in this room right now who's the best one here like stand up everybody decide who is the best amongst you okay so everyone would obviously like you know have conversation maybe some people have reputation that precedes them and you know you, everyone's like okay we're going to pick this person and so they put this person forward. They elect this person. He comes forward in front of that prophet. The prophet said to this man now specifically, what? Bring me the worst of you. Hey, best of you, go and find the worst person in that group and bring them to me. He's like, I don't know anyone worse than me. Like, I know myself. I don't know anyone worse than me. And it's that honesty. They were truthful. Your people were right. You are, in fact, the best. Like, the fact that you saw yourself as having so many flaws, this is the solution. How do you stop looking down at people? If you, if you have that desire to look at someone, you'll find them. The existence of flaws is not like a miracle. You're not Einstein. I've discovered it. No. If you look at someone, you want to find a flaw, you'll find it. Of course. But doesn't that mean that people can find yours too? And isn't it 
a waste of time to sit there and to marinate and to think about what other people do and how they're wrong when you have quite a few things yourself that you could get and everyone else's lawn on your street is bad and you're sitting there you're like man they need to cut their lawn and you got like the amazon rainforest i'm only saying this because i got a fine for my hoa today so it's, it's fresh right it, it's there is no benefit in looking at the flaws of other people there's none and finding them or discovering them is not proof that you've done something. It's not proof that there's benefit in it. Worry about yourself and realize that into that trap of looking down at somebody, all you're doing is deflating the iman from your own heart. That's all you're doing. Instead, be like the Prophet ﷺ and look for the good and even the worst of people. The Prophet ﷺ was somebody that was able to find good in people that thought that they were horrible. He was able to tourniquator the person that repeatedly struggled with their desires. He was able to tell the person who struggled with alcohol that Allah loves him because he loves Allah. The Prophet ﷺ did not live in the modality that we live in as religious people. He didn't exist like that. He had principle, of course. He didn't waver on those principles, without a doubt. But his, and it's, it's tough. May Allah Ta'ala grant us this. Yeah. Shaykh with the last one, inshallah. So, um, inshallah, very quickly, as Ustad Abdurrahman talked about, that the s other component of having that level of delusion and arrogance and corruption not do, to not want to listen, to lack humility, to think that you know better. And as bizarre as it sounds, like to not even listen to Allah when trying to engage in the obedience of Allah. What a battery of, well... Are we really sure, you know, hadith are authentic? And wasn't he also just like a person and a human being and et cetera, et cetera? And all of this is the other part of it philosophically is there's also something very bizarre about trying to do or saying that you're trying to do the right thing but deliberately not doing it the right way. And then once again, we become defensive, and then we talk about good intentions. Oh, but I had a good intention. Does that count for something? There's a very popular expression that we have in the English language that talks about this. Uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Samuel uh, Johnson, who wrote a dictionary of the English language, he commented on this saying, the unhappy failure of pious resolves. That somebody can intend to do good, but they go about it the wrong way. And sir, hell is paved with good intentions. That it's not enough that, oh, I, I was just trying to do the right thing. Especially not when we have been given 
all the detail, all the information, all the instruction that we could ever need on how to do whatever it is that we're trying to do. Absolutely. This might seem like really audacious to say, but it's actually not. It's a very, very logical, plain it is. Every single question you could ever have about how to is practice your Islam properly has already been answered. And we can say that because we have the Quran, the Word of God, the ultimate timeless wisdom from Allah Himself. And we have the entire life and the tradition and the practice of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The most remarkable human. So those two things combined, the Prophet said it in his farewell sermon. That I leave you with two resources. You will not go astray. You shall not lose your way so long as you hold on to these two things. The book of God, the Quran, and the way of the messenger, the way of the Prophet. So it's not enough to just claim that I'm trying to do, but we have to educate ourselves, inform ourselves, and it's very easy. The knowledge is very available, very accessible. Um, but it's important for us to learn exactly how to do the, to do the right thing the right way. That's why there's so much emphasis on the straight path. It's not just a path, it's the straight path. And, you know, there's author here he does talk about something very interesting and he says when you do the right thing the right way first of all you won't compromise your religion cuz you're do you're following the manual but he also says that one of the biggest benefits that comes from doing things the right way is that you also don't cross the line into extremism you also don't lose the plot and go off to an extreme. Where you have this constant paranoia about your tahara and your salah, your purification and your prayer being properly done or not, where you do it over and over and over and over and over again. You're instructed to do, but you're always overdoing it, going into an extreme. You're using way more water than is necessary to make wudu. And what the Prophet used to do, and what he was okay with, and what he told us was perfectly fine, all of a sudden is not good enough for you. Think about what that, what that means. Behaving as if you're more pious than the Prophet you're praying when you're not supposed to pray. You're fasting when you're not supposed to fast. And that's why um, a, fam a famous scholar um, and luminary uh, from our history, uh, he was from uh, Syria, from Damishq. He said, he said that whenever you want to do 
something good and you think it is a good deed, go and inquire. Find out. And if you can find that the Prophet ﷺ practiced it, then do it. Otherwise, if it's not, then leave it be. وَإِذَا دَعَتْكَ نَفْسُكَ إِلَى مَعْصِيَةٍ فَذَكِرْهَا سُوَعَاقِبَتِهَا And then whenever your inner self goads you into committing a sin, then remember what the outcome of sins are, and that will hopefully deter you. So, once again, very beautifully laid out by the author. As we learned, not doing things to just impress other people, making sure that we don't delude ourselves. And part of the way to recognize if that's happening with us is, do you look down and talk down to other people? And fourthly, are you just basically acting on your own um, you know, you're just doing whatever you're stating everything by saying, but you have good intentions. Are you actually humbling yourself to learn the religion and practice it properly? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the ability to practice everything that's been said and heard. Barakallahu feekum. Jazakallah khair, everybody. Inshallah. So we'll, tomorrow night is, uh, of course, an odd night for the last 10, 23rd night. So I want to um, implore everybody to really take advantage. You know, this is miss out. Um, and so what I would recommend, inshallah, tomorrow, I know it's Thursday, which in Dallas is a weekend. Um, it seems like no one works on Friday, mashallah. Uh, but I want to I wanna really implore everybody to really value the time tomorrow night, inshallah, as much as possible. Um, one thing that I want to encourage everybody to consider is that tarawih and qiyam are, of course, wonderful. But if you can make a commitment to try to pull, begin your night on the most beautiful way and the most on the on, on the on the greatest of of, of uh, beginnings. Um, there was a scholar in, in the Middle East. He's famous, Sheikh Didu, and he was talking about. There's a culture in the Middle East of people sleeping all day during their fast and then waking up. So they'll like wake up in time for Dhuhr. You know what that means? Like wake up at like to, in Dallas that would be waking up at 5:50. Did so people stay up all night praying Tarawih and then they pray Fajr and then they sleep through the Jama'at al-Luhr, through, you know, and, and they make it up, and then they take a nap, sleep through the Jama'at al-Asr, or they might just miss the prayer altogether. He said that the one drop of sweat that you develop walking to the masjid for al-Luhr and Jama'at is more beloved to Allah than all 20 rakat. Because that's the obligation. And that's the first thing Allah is going to ask you about. And so I know that the last 10 nights, a vibe. And I know that everyone's looking forward to, you know, the, the weekend, inshallah, it's packed. There's so many things happening. Uh, but don't forget your foundation and don't forget the foundation of your relationship with Allah. And that is your prayer. And that's where you connect with him. And so try to make your prayers in the masjid as much as possible on time if you can. And then get your if you start off illuminated, your ending will be illuminated, inshallah. May Allah accept. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.